Welcome Pastor Jess as she comes. Thank you, and Carrie Ditto. Oh, a little bit at that. <laughs> well, good morning. So good to see you all here. You know, um, I've just been loving seeing and hearing about all that Civic Church and, well, you guys are doing out in the community. I was at a Civic Chaplaincy commissioning service earlier this week and there would have been um, chaplains from about five different regions in the building, uh, sorry, five different industries in the building and Civic people were representing at least three of those, which I just think is amazing. We are out there, we're in the city and, you know, it's not even February yet, (laughs) which is really cool. Well, this morning, I'm going to kickstart by reading a verse that many of you, I'm sure, will be familiar with, found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, which says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, if I was being completely honest with you all here, I I don't like that verse at all. In fact, um, I find... I'm okay with the first little bit about not worrying. I mean, it gives that picture of, you know, just that chilled life that we all wish we could have. You know, sit back, relax, enjoy the ride kind of thing. Just trust me, I've got you tomorrow. But sadly, uh, Jesus does not end his point at don't worry about tomorrow. You know, when he says don't worry about tomorrow, in no way is he suggesting that we be blasé about our today. Um, You know, he goes on to say, the day you are in has some trouble to deal with. (laughs) There is a battle going on in your today that needs attention. And so whilst there's no reason to worry about our tomorrow, there might actually be reasons that we need to look at the worries in our today because if they're troubling you, then they need your attention. And so That's what we're going to take a bit of time to look at this morning, the worry in your today. And to begin, I've got an image um, that I would love for the guys to throw up onto the screen. Just take a look at that. Can you see that there? Would you agree? You can see it? I I can't. Is it behind me? There it is. Can you see what's in there? I'll be honest, there's no better way to get our attention than dropping a bomb on you like that. (laughs) Getting a slap in your face. Who would agree there is no better way than catching our attention than when you get a good big slap in your face or a bomb dropping on you, which is what we're seeing here. I had this experience happen to me last night, not that one, but the slap in the face. I was happily sleeping, very relaxed in my bed and felt something a bit cold on my hand and I was completely out of it and I, you know how subconsciously you know something doesn't feel right and, you, and you're just like, but I don't know, I'm like asleep, I don't know if this is real or not and so my other hand is kind of coming up to see what's going on, why is my hand cold and fair enough, there was a frog on it and it had a very big fright and it jumped off and I was like, was that real? Because I'm still asleep. Like I'm awake, but I'm asleep. And I'm like, did this really just happen? Did I just feel a frog on me? Well, next minute, it jumped back in my bed and landed on my face, full spread. I'll tell you, it got my attention. 
And, you know, I should have jumped out and dealt with it, but I hid under the blankets. <laughs> and I'm like, is there really a frog in here? And then I started panicking because it may have jumped back in and climbed in my bed and under my blankets, and that was going to make me freak out even more. Anyway, this frog, it gave me a good slap in the face and it got my attention. And, um, and it's the same with what... And this this image up here. If we can pop that back up for me. Um, some of you might actually recognise this image from a movie called The Swimmers. And it's, um, that movie follows the story. It's a true story about a young woman, Yusra Mardini, who is an Olympic swimmer. And what you're seeing in this image is her coming face to face with a missile, with a, a bomb, literally, in the middle of a competition, a swimming competition, in her pool, in her hometown. It was, um, you know, it was less than eight years ago, 2015. It was in Damascus when Syria was coming under attack. And despite um, the fact that this landed in the pool, she survived. And she came out and her family had to ha make a really tough decision. From a very young age, she had had her heart's set on the Olympics. She wanted to be a professional swimmer. Her dad was a professional swimmer. And so she had her heart set on that same goal. And so they made the tough choice to, to separate. And so she braved with her other teenage sister, she was only 13, braved the migration to Europe. And she ended up in Germany where she's living at this refugee, but she was so determined to continue to fight for this goal of going to the Olympics. And so she goes out and she finds a new coach. And, and in 2016, only a year later from that moment, in 2016, she gets selected for the Rio Olympics team. Amazing. Not only that, she, she's actually, she actually swam last year in the Tokyo Olympics and she's um, an author. She's obviously, there's a movie produced about her and you guys may have even seen her through the media because she's, she's also a UN ambassador and, you know, there's been so many things that she's done to, to maximise, I guess, that platform that she's been given and what's crazy is she's only 24. <laughs> but at 20, it all started in 2015 when life dropped a bomb on her, literally. And it changed the course of her life forever. And what we see in this image is Yusra coming to terms with what, with what is in front of her. And just because of the massive volume of what that is, she actually risks drowning, not because the bomb has gone off, but because of the fear it's not the bomb keeping her under the water. It's the worries, the, the fact that it might go off. And because she, you know, if she, was, if she was on the grandstand watching from the sideline on the ground and she saw that bomb go in the water, she would have been able to just run and get out of there as quickly as you can, which is what you see a lot of everyone else doing. But because she was in the water, Faced with the limitations that that brings, you can't run very fast when you're in water. So just the fear of dealing with the bomb and now the limitations placed on her for being in the water, no wonder she faces, she risks drowning. 
It would paralyse any of us, I'm sure, that fear of how on earth do I get out of this situation without that thing not blowing up on me even more. And, and you know, this is why it's so important to take a look at our worries. Because some of us here are barely keeping above the water as it is, managing life's priorities. But drop a bomb, drop a bomb on us, figuratively, then it could really be the, a big struggle. It could be something that undoes all the good that he has been doing in us. And, and these things might be the very thing that is near the worries and the fears that are slowing us down and it may just take every little bit out of you trying to manage all of this as well as maybe this big thing that might happen, the worry that might be in our tomorrow. You know, in Matthew 13, Jesus brings up the topic of worry again. And he, uh, he touches on this idea that our worries have the potential to choke. And interestingly, a quick word study on that word choke that was used in this parable is also the same word that the Hebrews use for drown. And it paints a similar picture to what we're just talking about, how if we're not taking a look at our worries in our today, that we very much do risk drowning in them. And for those of you who might be unfamiliar with this particular parable, Jesus actually uses thorns choking a plant to illustrate the changing relationship that takes place between your worries and God's word. And the thorns represent obviously the worries and the ambitions that we might have in life, choking and drowning out the word in our life. And when you think about where thorns actually originated from, it was, you know, as a result of God's word being drowned out by another voice. We read in Genesis 3 that the moment Adam and Eve separated themselves from the word of God, that the word that he had given them, when they were motivated by a different voice, it resulted in thorns. These thorns for the rest of our time have become the, the symbol of our changing relationship between God's word and man. And so when Jesus uses this example of a thorn choking a plant to illustrate the connection between the word and the thorns, again, it is seen as this symbol of our changing relationship to the word. You know, a shift begins to take place. The word, the thorn, constantly at war with each other. The voice of God, the worries and ambitions of life, a never-ending battle. And so as we take a look at our worries this morning, I really believe that what you will find is it's the relationship you have with the word, the voice in your worry that will be the difference between you drowning in those worries and rising above them. Now, when Jesus said, look at the worries in your today, look at what's troubling you, I truly believe it is, it is in relation to where his word is in it all. What voice has taken center stage in your worry? What thoughts that are battling it out for prime position in our head through those various seasons of life? So what voice might we find in our worry? And to explore that, we're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. And um, here we've got Paul drawing attention to some of the worries that he has in his life, the, you know, the, what he most famously calls it anyway, as the thorn in his flesh. And um, so we'll read that in, starting from verse 7. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, which says, 
in case I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffer me, in case I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, in my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So, Paul's obviously, he's had his fair share of bombshell moments. In fact, only the chapter before, he, he uh, goes into great detail, explains to what some of those moments looked like. He was stoned, whipped, shipwrecked, shipwrecked. He also faced drowning, floating in, you know, deep water for over 24 hours. He was imprisoned. There were so many different things that he highlights. But the thing that troubled him the most, the thing that, he, that had the power to change the relationship that he had with God was not those bombshell moments. It was the worries that carried over day in and day out. It's his thorn, the thorn in the flesh, those worries that don't go away today and they're still in your day tomorrow. Here today and not gone tomorrow. And nobody really knows Honestly, they don't know what actually um, tormented Paul, what worried Paul so much, what that thorn was, but only that it became a real battle. There was a time where it became a real battle for him. You know, what tormented him, what knocked him around were these unseen messages. Paul's battle stemmed from the different thoughts that, he was, that were going around in his mind, battling to have the last say. And, you know, my observation from all of this is that that first one was, was through the voice of expectation. According to the culture of the time, Paul's condition uh, would have been viewed as some form of punishment or curse that he'd received because he, he even called it that, uh, an infirmity, which, you know, basically just means bad luck to you kind of thing. And it indicated to those who, you know, once followed Paul that, this is, this is not living up to what you're calling like someone that should be living in the full favour of God. And you can see the problem this creates because, because of this condition, they began questioning his authority and questioning the authenticity of the message of grace that he was being preaching. And so instead of people coming and receiving salvation and, you know, and that freedom that, um, that you can have through the gospel message being preached, they were turning their back to their to their they were turning back to their old ways of living, to the law and to works, and and they just could not get past this condition that Paul calls this thorn in the flesh. What they see is not living up to the expectations, to what they expected in a life that claims to be living in the full favor of God. And so, in an attempt to prove otherwise, Paul drafts this letter to the Corinthians, which is what we read and what you read throughout a large portion of 2 Corinthians. So the fight to prove himself, this fight to prove himself became ever more evident when what was troubling him clashed with the expectations that others had of him. You know, in the lead up to Yusra's swimming competition where there was this, um, where she was coming face to face with, the bo- with this bomb, in the, um, there's a scene that 
that is played out and she talks about it, how her, um, the expectations that people had of her in the lead up to this competition was really starting to get to her. It was stressing her out. And so she starts uh, verbalising some of her concerns and just the battle that was going on in the lead up to this competition. And, and you see in the, um, in the clip that she, right before she takes to the diving block, she's just having this dialogue with her father, who her father was also a coach. He was um, a professional swimmer as well. And so she's just, you know, unravelling what's going on in her heart. And his response was a simple whisper as they were stretching in front of the diving block. And in this moment, you know, she she could have had those expectations and those worries to continue to rise, but she chose to let her her coach have that last say and she she hadn't yet raced. She hadn't won. She hadn't even come to terms with what she might be facing next, but she had the peace and the assurance that she could face whatever was ahead of her. And as the expectations were screaming at her, Instead of retaliating and trying to prove herself in other ways, defending herself, she was able to prove herself through the peace and confidence she had as she took to the diving board. And you know, our worries and our insecurities, they they make us susceptible to all kinds of expectations and opinions of others. And you know, and it makes the pain all the more real, especially if they are right. That's the worst bit. If they are right and, you know, what they're expecting of you and it's just like, honestly, I just, I can't meet that demand right now. Or possibly it's their position and, and um, or they're just very opinionated. They're the best ones. When what they are broadcasting towards you or even what you're feeling, those expectations, it makes the pain all the more real. And you can see that how when we're trying to defend ourselves and prove ourselves, how quickly it can just all blow up in our face. And, you know, the reality is we do actually need to at times give an answer, give a response to what might be going on in our life. You know, it might be to our family or friends and the, our workplace, but, but because of the position, you know, potentially because of the position you're in, uh, you, at times you might have to give a response. But before we do, just dive right in to giving that defence. We need an encouragement, a word for us in our season to steady our feet, to reassure our loved ones so that it doesn't shake them up all the more. Something that you can take with you. And Jesus reiterates this challenge in Matthew chapter 6 when he was talking about worry. He says, do not worry but to seek first. And so if you're looking at your worries and you haven't yet sought God's perspective, this is where we'd need to start first. Start here first. Like what we, see, what, um, you know, we would see with Yusra, you know, just lean into your coach, be vulnerable and get to that point first. Let the whispers, let his whispers steady your feet and prepare you for what that day holds. Let him be the last voice that you hear before you ever go out to try and prove yourself in this world. And so many times, you know, we might see that what's troubling us does come from these external thing influences like uh, the voice of expectation. But sometimes, um, you know, that battle does come from within and it is more those internal thoughts that most commonly come out of nowhere for the sole purpose to sow doubt. And Paul identified this real battle as the message of Satan, the voice of doubt. And like what we see in the Garden of Eden, 
When Eve was in a right relationship with God, all the serpent had was a voice, a voice that could cause doubt to rise, to second guess God's word, to bring it into question. And, you know, Eve wasn't intimidated by him then, only surprised by the way she saw God's word differently as she reflect, reflected on that moment, the way the doubts influenced her. And I think, honestly, this is what surprised Paul the most, how quickly his relationship with the word was shifting, especially now that his, he was in this restored relationship with God. He had so many bombshell moments, but it was the limitations placed on his flesh, the worries in his day, the troubles of, that, he, that was overwhelming him in that moment that were becoming a tool to sow doubt and to influence his beliefs. And, and this is where the battle lies for a lot of us here is because doubt always questions your worth. And even Jesus was challenged by these same thoughts of doubts when he was tested in the wilderness, you know, with those words, if you are the son of God, do this. And it tried to influence and change the direction of where he was heading. And doubt is a big one because to battle with for so many reasons. But when you begin to question who you are, it can take you down a dark path and, and nobody wants to go down there. And when you allow the voice to take centre stage, to question, to call it into question, the work and the goodness that God has done in you, it can very quickly lose yourself in the process. And when the way you see yourself is less than the way God sees you, the way he intended you to see yourself, you begin to see God's word differently as well. And this shift takes place and the battle becomes very real. And so whilst this internal battle surprised Paul, he remained persistent. He looked at the worries. He recognised this battle that he was having with you know, expectations and doubt. And then he went straight to looking at the message at the cross, the voice of grace. And if our musicians wanted to start making their way up, I'm coming in for the land. <laughs> you know, there wasn't much that Christ carried with him when he went to the cross. Of all the things he could have worn, he wore a crown of thorns. No shirt, no pants, underwear thankfully, but just this headpiece made of thorns. You know, in John, it, it clarifies that Jesus, who is known as, by, as Lord, known as God, is also known as the Word, with a capital W. And so as the Word hangs there on the cross, wearing nothing more but a crown of thorns, we get a different picture of what our worries look like when the Word is in the thorn. You know, when Yusra was looking at this missile, frozen with fear, her dad could see that she was not coming up out of the water, that she was struggling with what she was being faced with. And he dives right in to save her. Everyone else was fleeing, but his, her dad was in the water with her. He came down to her level, exposing himself to the same limitations, facing the same bombshell. He was in it all. He was right in the depths of her worry. And when you look at the things that are troubling you through the message of the cross, what we see is the word smack bang right in the middle of everything the thorn represents. 
the thorn not separated any longer from the Word, but the Word in the thorn. And as you look at your worries this morning, this is the picture I hope you will see. The Word in your thorn, the good in the bad, the light in the darkness, the I am in, the I am not. The sufficient in the insufficiencies, the blessing in the worst of all kinds of circumstances. Thorns are still the symbol of our ever-changing relationship with God. But when you, when you look at them, when you're dealing with them through this message of, of the cross, through the voice of grace, it's no longer the symbol of how far you have fallen or how powerful these thoughts might be or how separated you are from God but a picture of God right in the middle, right smack bang in the middle, in the depths of your worry. He's your Father and He sees the struggle and he see, He's in the water with you. He sees what's going on and He sees the desperation and the efforts of trying to manage your day. He's in your worry to save you, to empower you, to lift you up. He's all in when you look at your worries. When you look at your worries, do you see it? Do you see Him in the midst, in the depths of it all? You know, as you look at what's troubling you and you're battling out with these expectations and doubts, you know, do you see the message that He's trying to send? Or are you focused on all those other influences coming in? In those moments and you're looking at your worry, take another look at the cross. We can't be blasé with our worries. If they're troubling you today, then they need some attention. Begin by asking yourself, what voice, what voice has taken centre stage in my worry? Because the word and the thorn, the voice in your worry, it can be the difference between you drowning in them or rising above them. Come on, why don't you stand with me this morning? You know, um, <clears throat> it took Paul a good few times to really settle at the point that God's voice, His Word was in the midst of his thorn. His, the Bible says, you know, he, it took him at least three goes to really settle at that place. And you know what happened in that moment when he got there is he had this experience and it was an empowerment, a strengthening of his inner man. And you know, whatever might be troubling you today, just know that there is an experience to be had in the depths of your worry that can only be found in, the, in Jesus Christ. It's the experienced love of your Father, ready to meet you at your point of need right now. He's all in. And despite the fact that circumstances might not change around us, He can meet you and give you that experience to begin to challenge you, to begin to raise you up, to begin to give you that hope, to strengthen your inner man, to face and to begin to rise up above the waters. And whilst we don't know what tomorrow might hold, we can be confident that through it all, He will carry us through it all. He is with us in it all. And it is demonstrated through that picture that we see time and time again through the cross. Our God came down, exposing Himself to the same limitations as us. 
just so that you could know He is in the water with you. He is in your worry today. He is in the things that are troubling you. He is in those fears and those insecurities. He's in those uncertainties. He's smack bang in the middle of it. Do you see it? Do you see it? Father, I just take this moment to pray for every single person in this place. And we thank you that not for a moment have you abandoned us. And as a, as a parent or as a, uh, has this desperate love for their child that when they're separated from it, that fondness, that love only grows stronger. That separation that we were experiencing before the cross made you come down. You couldn't be apart from us any longer. You had to be in the midst of it all. It was your plan all along to save us and for it not just to be, not just to be this idea of following you, but to be smack bang in the middle of everything, to meet us at our point of need and to give us this experience, this felt presence of your love, the felt, the realness of your spirit. It is tangible. It is something that will make you feel alive and make you feel hope and make you see things differently. Don't go out of this place today or into your weeks without first being reminded, getting that picture of the love that He has for you, the picture that He has on the cross. And Jesus, I pray for every single person that might be facing all those kinds of uh, worries, those troubling times. Help. (laughs) Those that are really struggling. God, Your Word says, where does our help come from? not from strength, not for even from provision, but from the Lord. You are there to meet us where we're at, at a place where we will discover our true worth, where our identity can be found, where purpose can be found in the point of our need. That crossover is where you are doing your most work, where the real power is found. And I thank you that's possible for all of us here today in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name, Amen.